I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two, two Films, Too Curious. Curious. Where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. Yes. This time, we watched Thor Ragnarok and Harry Potter 3. Harry Potter and the, the Prisoner, Prisoner of, of Azkaban. Azkaban. Yes, thank you. Uh, and we're here to talk about... Uh, this is a long one. Major tonal shifts that happen in sequels. So, mm-hmm. the implication here is that Harry Potter 1 and 2 felt some sort of way and then with harry potter 3 until the end way. it's a different way thor 1 and 2 felt one way and then with thor ragnarok it changed and theoretically the future thors will feel similar we already have an idea that thor 4 is going to be pretty yes similar. and and he keeps his shift in infinity war and endgame so. yes yes the character does yeah <clears throat> so uh before we do that tell us what we're drinking today tyler uh, we're drinking Route 66 sodas from Sonic. Yes. Only because we just went to Sonic. And it's daytime. We're not going to drink at daytime. Nah, no. we don't mind day drinking. <laughs> it's 5 o'clock somewhere, 4.30 in Labrador. So, uh, anyways, uh, let's tell you about Harry Potter 3 or Thor 3. We didn't actually say which one is going to do which before this thing. But we can... You want to talk about Harry Potter? Sure. All right, so let me tell you about Harry Potter. So Harry Potter uh, is a boy. He's, he's, he's just a little boy. He's just a little boy. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk about this maybe later. He's not that little of a boy in Harry Potter 3. That's one of the tonal shifts that they're just so much older it's, than they should so much be. nudity. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, anyways, uh, Harry Potter is home from Hogwarts again. Uh, his third year is about to start. Uh, and th- third years can go uh, to the village in town if they have a parent sign a permission slip. And so Harry Potter's like, Uncle Vernon, would you sign my permission slip? And Uncle Vernon's like, I'll sign your permission slip as long as you behave when Aunt Marge is here. Aunt Marge is a not a nice lady. She's so not nice. And so Harry Potter's trying his best, and then Aunt Marge says the B word that I can't say, uh, about Harry Potter's mom because she also raises dogs and Harry Potter just is like, no, this is not okay. And mm-hmm. uh, blows her up, not like explodes, but like a balloon with magic and she, she floats, floats out away. of the house and he's <laughs> like, fuck this noise, I'm out. So he packs up all his shit and he goes away and Vernon's like, we can't come back. And he was like, bet. And a weird purple bus picks him up. Oh, he sees a spooky dog. And then a weird purple bus picks him up and takes him to the leaky cauldron that's in london and when he gets there uh the minister of magic is there president of all of harry potter is sitting right there and he's like oh i'm glad we found you and harry's like i'm sorry i blew up my aunt i'm sorry and he's like ah it's not a big deal who cares man we all done that (laughs) anyways get in here and be safe and harry's like that's weird and then the weasleys show up and hermione is there too and they're fighting because ron has a rat and Hermione has a new cat and they fight. And they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be in love soon. And J.K. Rowley doesn't know how to write two characters not, in love. Not the cat and the rat. Yeah. Oh. You've not read the books. Don't tell me oh. this. No. Uh, <laughs> Hermione and Ron are going to be in love and J.K. Rowley doesn't know how to write love. So that's why they fight a lot. Uh, but um, they're about to go out to Hogwarts and Arthur Weasley pulls Harry aside and he's like, peep this. You've seen that the guy broke out of Ask him. And he's like, yeah, that's fucking weird. And he's like, that guy's going to come gunning for you. Because he worked with Voldemort and Harry's like okay I killed Voldemort twice I can do this I was a baby when I killed that Arthur Weasley's like hey don't do that don't do that and so 
Uh, anyways, school happens. They're they're getting they're on the train to go to school, and uh, it gets real cold, and Dementors show up and they suck the fun out of everything, and they're gonna try and suck the fun out of Harry, and he falls asleep. And when he wakes back up, they're like, oh, no, you passed out. He said, oh, no. And then Lupin, the new teacher, gives him chocolate, and he feels much better. Anyways, Dumbledore's like, some shit's going to go down with the serious black guy. That's why there's dementors everywhere, but I hate him, so don't touch him. Uh, also, Hagrid's a new teacher. That's a whole big thing. He's got a hippogriff, and hippogriff hits, uh, hits Draco because Draco's being a dummy. And so, but because Draco uh, has that... As dad and has yeah, a... little nepotiz. <laughs> uh, they're gonna sentence uh, Buckbeak to death. Uh, anyways, uh, also uh, important plot point: people keep being like, "Where are you, Hermione? We thought you were here." And she's like, "I was here." And they're like, "That's weird," but we also don't care about Hermione. Uh, and then, oh, uh, Harry Potter wants to go to the village in town, Hogsmeade. And is like, hey, Professor McGonagall, you're a guardian. Can't you sign this? And she was like, uh, no. And so then Harry puts on, he, he gets a, a map that shows him everybody in Harry Potter uh, called Marauder's Map. And from Fred and George. From Fred and George. And he puts on his invisibility cloak and he goes to Hogsmeade. And then he overhears a story about how Sirius Black was friends with his parents and then betrayed his parents and killed Peter Pettigrew. Anyways... A lot of other things happen, but the crux of it is this, that eventually, uh, Halloween night, uh, does it have a Halloween night? No, it doesn't have a Halloween night. I don't know why I said Halloween. Anyways, later on... It feels like Halloween. It's certainly the fall. You know, I don't think it is. I think we're well, meant to after, think it's the fall. It's after winter, but yeah. it's after it's, winter. It's got to be like late winter. Yeah. Early I don't spring. Know. They must be magic like... pumpkins, but those pumpkins are pumpkin-y. They're, yes. You, pumpkins don't grow in the <clears> spring. They're harvest animals. <laughs> anyways, um, anyways, uh, Buckbeak is going to be sentenced to death. They go see Buckbeak, and Hagrid is beside himself with grief. And then they get out of there, and uh, as they're coming out, uh, oh, Ron finds his rat, but then it tries to get away. And when it tries to get away, that big-ass dog from before uh, grabs Ron and the rat and take him into this hole in, underneath the Whomping Willow. Which is a tree that hurts people. Well, womp your willow. Just womp you right <laughs> off. And so Hermione and Harry follow into the hole. And turns out that the dog was Sirius Black. And Sirius Black's like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And Harry's like, you can't kill me. And Sirius Black's like, dumbass, no, I mean the rat. And they're like, what? And then Lupin shows up. And Harry's like, it's Sirius Black. And Lupin's like, yeah, I know. And he snatches up Harry's wand. And he's like, what? And Lupin's like, we gotta hand out here what he's gotta say. And then the rat turns back into Peter Pettigrew. And Peter Pettigrew's like, no, it was me. I'm the one that portrayed your parents. Uh, except he says it really mousily, which is funny because he was a rat. <laughs> uh, and then Snape shows up and he's like, fuck all y'all. I knew this was gonna happen. And so they knock out Snape and then they're gonna go. But turns out Lupin's a werewolf and he tries to fight everybody and Sirius Black gets arrested. And then they're gonna give him the Dementor's kiss and his soul's gonna get ripped out. And they're like, oh no. But the reason why Hermione was like all weird about going to classes and stuff is because they gave her a legendary item, world-breaking item, as a fucking thirteen-year-old, <laughs> and so that it goes you back in time. And so she goes back in time, and her and Harry, because Ron's legs all fucked up, he can't come. Her and Harry go back in time, and they save Buckbeak, 
and they save Sirius Black. And they don't say Peter Pettigrew. They do say Harry Potter. Uh, and then Sirius Black takes uh, Buckbeak and goes and hides. And then that's the end of the movie. Did I miss anything? No. Okay. I don't think so. Nice. That's Harry Potter 3. It's a good movie. I like it. I enjoy it. As much as I like any Harry Potter movie, I guess. Probably more than half of them. I like 3 more than... 5, 4, 6, 7, 1. Anyways, tell us about Thor. Thor Ragnarok is the third Thor movie. Um, It's one of the more recent modern... Marvel movies because it came out in 2017 I think November of 2017 um, basically it we have at this point Thor is kind of fi- trying to figure out why certain things are out of rest really it's because of Thanos but he doesn't know that like the Nine Realms are in chaos Odin no one's doing anything about it so he goes he ends up in the uh, realm of Musafheim I think Mustafar. is what Mustafar what? <laughs> oh we're talking about Star Wars 3. Yes. <laughs> Didn't you watch that? No. <laughs> he goes to Muselfheim and fights uh, Surtur, who's the lord of it. It's like all volcano and lava world. And Surtur tells him about Ragnarok that, like, you know, Ragnarok's already begun. I will, when I get to Asgard and I'm reunited with this eternal flame, then I'm going to destroy Asgard because that's the prophecy. And Thor's like, cool prophecy, don't care. Yeah. Beats up Surtur, takes his hat. His hat. His, his eye, big eyebrows. <laughs> and then leaves. He finds out when he gets back to Asgard that Heimdall is no longer the gatekeeper. And he's like, already this is kind of fucky. So I'm going to go check on this. Yep. He goes. He meets with Odin. Odin is watching a play about like the tragedy of Loki and how great Loki was. and How Loki great. <laughs> how Loki great Loki is. And Thor's like, High key, oh, it's not a very good play. Thor's like, oh, okay, you get the lesser Hemsworth to play Thor. I know what's going on here. Basically, he, he realizes and then kind of forces Loki's hand. Loki has been disguised as Odin this whole time for a while since the end of Thor 2. Yeah. Because the very end of Thor 2 is Thor leaving and then Odin changes into Loki. So he's been him for a while now. Um, he goes, he's like, where's our dad? They go to Earth. They find out the place where he was got destroyed. So like, okay, well, we have to find him somehow. All of a sudden, poof, Loki disappears. And on the ground is a little card that has an address. I love the way he pokes and, at it. And Thor's hammer is this guy has an umbrella and he pokes at it. And he's like, Loki? Because he thinks that he changed into it or something. <laughs> uh, he goes, he actually meets Doctor Strange, which is a really awesome scene. Um, he, even Thor's initially like, oh, so Earth has wizards. Oh, that's cool. But then kind of realizes how strong Doctor Strange is with the stuff that he does. Yeah. And Doctor Strange is like, Look, I keep track of dangerous people. Your brother is probably one of the most dangerous. Why is he here? He's like, we're trying to find our dad. He's like, if I tell you where Odin is, you're both going to leave? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll leave. So he's like, okay, here's Odin. <laughs> he <laughs> makes a portal. They go visit Odin. Odin it, it, it dies just of natural death. Like, almost like a, it seemed like it was like a prophesized thing. Yeah. Like, he just turned into sparkles, and he, and he disappeared. Um, but right before that, he tells them, your sister. And they're like, what? What? <laughs> Your sister. Yes, your <laughs> thoughts betray you. Like, yeah, uh, your sister, by the way, she's really strong. She's actually my firstborn. Uh, she's going to come back when I die, so peace. Leia <laughs> was born dies. first, right? Was Leia born first? I don't know. I think so. Kate Blanchett shows up. Yep. 
Like, and instead stop. of Odin, you shall have a queen. <laughs> that this is that queen. No, she's like this. Like her name is Hela, and she's the goddess of death, and she's all emo looking. Um, Hela emo looking. They're looking through. We're gonna fight her, and Loki's immediately like, "We need to go back. Bring us back." As they're getting teleported out, Hela also comes and kicks both of them out of the Bifrost, the big rainbow sparkles they go through. And you're rainbow like, sparkles is a different guy. I don't think he's in this movie. <laughs> and you presume. I mean, we know they're not, but you presume they're dead because no one's ever fallen off the Bifrost before. Um, well, Loki did in the first movie, but that was different. Yeah. It wasn't in progress. Right. Um, Hela shows up, kills the, all the dudes in the main area, and it's like, hey, Scourge, the new guy who's the gatekeeper, you want to be my friend? He's like, sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, Hela very, very quickly takes over Asgard, but there's a small, like, resistance force that's led by Heimdall who's still there um, who managed to take the sword so they can't she can't like go take over the nine realms um, and he's like leading kind of the the lower like the village level people yeah. of Asgard trying to get them like safely away meanwhile you find out Thor ends up on this planet it's just like full of trash and all kinds of weird stuff there's a huge portal called the devil's anus that just like stuff from all over the galaxy ends up on this planet Scarif is what it's called. I thought it was Sakar. Oh, wait. Scarif, <laughs> Scarif is from Star Wars. Is from Star Wars. <laughs> they end up on Sakar. Um, or Thor ends up on Sakar. He gets captured by these people. Then this badass Valkyrie shows up, kills all the people. She's like, nah, actually, I'm going to be in charge of you now. Gets a little electric disc on his neck so he can't. Whenever he says something mean or does something, she just shocks him and, yep. and he can't do anything. Ironic given his powers. But right. proof that he is merely resistant to lightning. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not immune. Um, he goes. They get, he finds out he's going to be a me- part of this contest of champions that the Grand Master, who's played by Jeff Goldblum, who's a wonderful character, puts on. Um, basically, since all these random creatures and people show up, he's like, it's like a big gladiatorial arena. Thor looks over and sees Loki, who's evidently been here for two weeks because time is weird on that planet and yeah. stuff and i mean they fell off at different times on the bifrost so it makes sense. it makes sense um loki's like i've never met this man i'm i'm friends with the grandmaster good luck with the fight because i heard that the guy's really really tough um thor meets korg yep and meek love them who are great like little comic relief characters um he ends up getting to the fight he gets his haircut, which is an important thing for Thor. Mm-hmm. By Stan Lee, he's, Thor's not happy about it. Right. What else? Like, you cut some, Samson's hair. That's what I'm saying. You get a, what's her name song about it? Oh, yeah, I love that song. Who's who's that person? <laughs> I don't remember, though. I don't remember. Anyways. Thor gets into the fight. Turns out the other person is Hulk. Great little comedic beats it's with probably Loki. Probably one of the best reveals <laughs> in the history of the MCU. <laughs> unfortunate that it was in the trailer but yeah. it's Thor's like oh this is great I know this guy Yeah, they fight anyway Thor kind of gets the upper hand and is going to win unlocks like these weird like super strong lightning powers that he hasn't had because I totally forgot to say Hela destroyed his hammer that's right yeah um Grandmaster cheats by hitting the lightning thing and Thor gets shocked and falls down and then Hulk ultimately wins um Hulk and Thor have a nice little chat where he finds out that Hulk has been Hulk for a couple years now. Like, Banner is nowhere to be seen. Um, but Thor is desperate to get off of the 
to get off the planet and go save the people of Asgard from Hela. Um, Hulk is like, no, you're home now. You have to stay here. There's no way to get out. Like, just stay here. We can be friends here. Um, Thor tricks Valkyrie. He gets the little thing that takes off his lightning disc. Obedience disc is what it's called, I think. Gets it off. He's like, oh, there's the Quinjet. Busts out. Hulk tries to stop him from leaving, but then they turn on a little panel in the Quinjet and the little video of uh, Black Widow plays trying to calm Hulk down, and then... Sun's getting real low. Yeah. He gets transformed back into Bruce Banner, who's now freaking out because he's been Roos, Hulk... Bruce Banner? Rooster Banner. <laughs> Bruce Banner. His son's name is Ramsey Banner. <laughs> um... Them, they too, with Valkyrie, who now kind of decides to help them, and Loki, managed to escape from the planet. It's a cool little like spaceship chase scene. Um, right before then, Loki betrays Thor yet again. But Thor anticipated this and right. put one of the discs on him and just shocks him and leaves him there. And he's like, "You're getting predictable. Like you could be, you could be a great person, and you choose to be such an asshole every time." Yep. I'm leaving. Peace. They leave. They get to Asgard. Um, Hela has not figured out where these resistance people are, so she manages to, like, track them down. Yeah. Thor ultimately just tries to distract her while they can get off and get away from the, um, off the planet. Um, Thor and Hela fight. Hela kicks his ass. He unlocks his super lightning powers. She cuts out his eye. Cuts out his eye, just like Odin. Makes you wonder, I wonder if she put out Odin's eye, too. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um... He gets his super lightning powers fully unlocked. They start kicking all the skeletons and zombies and stuff that Hela's minions are. Uh, Hulk fights the big wolf because Hulk and Valkyrie are also there. Um, and then kind of all hope is lost. And then Loki shows up and he's like, your savior's here. And he has Korg and he has all the gladiators that escaped <laughs> from the planet. And they're all buddies now. They get all the Asgardians under their ship. Um Right before they leave, Thor's like, she's going to come after us. We have to f- defeat Hela. There's no, she's going to chase us across the galaxy if we manage to get away. So he's like, oh, we need to actually cause Ragnarok. Go grab Surtur's skull, put it in the fire, and then he'll destroy Asgard because Asgard is the source of her power, they explained earlier in the movie. They let Surtur go. Everyone escapes. Surtur destroys Asgard and presumably Hela. We don't know. I'm sure she could come back. Um... Because Asgard isn't the place. Asgard is the people. Is a people. They they escape. Heimdall escapes too. R.I.P. for the next movie. And then right at the last scene of the movie is Thanos' ship showing up. Because, as we know now, Loki grabbed the Space Stone. Space Stone. Space Stone. Nah, it's Space Slug. It's a Star <laughs> Wars song. I think you got Star Wars on the mind today. <laughs> But I got Star Wars. That's my secret, Cap. I always got Star Wars on the mind. Anyways, uh, I assume you have some some fun facts for us about these movies. I do have some fun facts. So with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. just some fun behind the scenes stuff mostly. Um, aware of his fondness for music, Gary Oldman presented Daniel Radcliffe with a bass guitar as a gift the first time he met him. Oh, isn't that so nice? That's really Classic nice. Gary Oldman. Yeah, seems like a really nice. You know what Gary guy. Oldman's hobby is? What's that? Eighteenth century, no, nineteenth century daguerreotype wet plate photography. All oh, right. 
there was a roundtable interview where they're asking Gary Oldman and a bunch of other actors, like, if you weren't acting, what would you do? And Gary Oldman was first, and he says, 19th century daguerreotype <laughs> wet plate photography. And they're like, what? And he's like, I just do it for fun, but I could do it for a job. And they're like, can you? <laughs> the next one is that the bats flying around Hagrid's hut are actual bats. Oh, neat. They were challenging to train, and Daniel Radcliffe noted that they tended to urinate everywhere. <laughs> uh, the animal trainers kept the bats under control using food rewards, especially bananas. Oh. So they must have been fruit bats, I suppose. Yeah. They gave them liters of blood. <laughs> uh, the tattoo on Sirius Black's, Gary Oldman's body and hands are borrowed from Russian prison gangs. Huh. They denote someone, a man who is to be feared and respected. Sirius Black is a man to be feared and respected. Well, Incidentally, he... so is Gary Oldman, I think. Yeah, I would not want to cross Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman looks like John Hurt's crazy uncle. Although I think John Hurt's older than Gary Oldman. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, David Thewlis. Thelweiss. Thelweiss? Thelweiss. Thelweiss. I don't know. Was, I'm guessing. He was the director's first choice for the role of Professor Lupin. Uh, he accepted the role on the advice from Ian Hart, who played Professor Quirrell in the first movie, who told him that Professor Lupin was, quote, the best part in the book. Oh, hands down. I get why people like Sirius Black, and that's fine. I don't care much for Sirius Black as a character. Friggin' love Professor Lupin. Until they kind of... Well, they give him some tumult in his heart in Book 7 that I think yeah. that he might not have actually had. Um, I think that... This podcast is not about the problems that I have with the Harry Potter book series. <laughs> I like, like Professor Lupin. It might be. <laughs> I like Professor Lupin in, in book and movie three. Then David Thelweiss is perfect for it. So, And then at around 24 minutes, the script for this movie makes no mention of Professor Flitwick. Wanting to keep Warwick Davis involved, the director came up with the idea of having him play the choir director. If Mike Newell liked the look of the choir director and wanted to keep using it, therefore um, they kept that new... F look for him for the rest of the movies for Professor oh. Flitwick because he looks different than he does in he the does. first one he does yeah um, but it's nice that they're like well we he's at Hogwarts we gotta have him in there somewhere like oh make him the choir director yeah that was nice um, I've got more for Thor and I feel like they're more exciting ones too uh, you know I, I liked these Harry Potter ones I thought that they were interesting uh, but I am excited to hear the Thor ones and it's not surprising that you would have more for Thor yeah I know he's you like my them. brother. He's your brother. <laughs> Incidentally, aside, I just finished watching RuPaul's All Drag Race All Stars season three, which is the season where Thorgy Thor comes back, and the entire time all I can think about is your brother, <laughs> which I think would make your Thor quite disappointed, more so than being called Thorin, who he doesn't like, or Thor, who he doesn't particularly like. He hates being called Thorgy Thor, <laughs> who he really doesn't like, and that's fair. Thorgy Thor is not a good person. Eh, better than some, but not great. It's a spectrum everywhere. It is. It is. Um, this one fact is fairly well known. I've seen it on Reddit a couple times. Is that Thor's, he's a friend from work line um, with Hulk, was suggested to Chris Hemsworth by a Make-A-Wish child who had paid a visit to the set the day that that scene was filmed. That's like the most perfect line in the movie. It's so cool that that kid <laughs> fucking nailed it. That's awesome. That's like, uh, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into this thing oh, yeah. up here on the internet and it says you may have internet connectivity issues it's like that level of great line it's it's probably the best in the movie i think uh sir anthony hopkins had decided against returning his odin but after he read the story it changed his mind probably because he's only in like two scenes right and he gets to have fun with it that he gets to play yeah. he gets to play loki playing odin 
Oh, yes, yeah. That, Which is always fun. Yes, he does a very good job of that. Yeah, yeah. he does. <clears throat> Just the, oh, shit. <laughs> like, when he looks over. <laughs> um, and then be- before the sets created for Doctor Strange were demolished, Taika Waititi took advantage of them by writing and filming a scene. Essentially stopped them from being demolished temporarily because he had written this scene where Thor would see Doctor Strange, which also is a great little, like, here's Doctor Strange in the wider MCU. Yeah, and it's here's a good his yellow gloves. Yeah. I like the yellow gloves, and it's a good time. It's a good way. It's a not he- uh, heavy-fisted way to get them to connect. Yeah. It yeah. It's, connects them without being, like, the final scene, you know? Yeah, exactly. They haven't seen each other since then, have they? At the, very, uh, at the fight at the end of Endgame, they're both there. But, like, yeah. Thor's on... They don't have any interactions. Thor is doing his own stuff, and then he's on Earth. Right. And Doctor Strange is on Titan yeah. when he gets snapped. So, yeah, I guess they... Maybe they did have adventures between then. Who knows? Yeah. They couldn't have had, have had. Because. Only a Thor Ragnarok ends with. Ends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Never mind. Um, This marks the first time in the MCU that the Incredible Hulk was not voiced by Lou Ferrigno. That's sad. Oh, it makes sense. I understand why. Yeah. Because because it's the fact that he has actually has a voice. It would make more sense to have it. And with the facial similar. like yeah. reconstruction and stuff they do to make um, Bark Buffalo look like Hulk. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. I do like Lou Ferrigno, though. And he does a good Hulk. The next one, um, the Grandmaster's Tower features statues of his champions. Notable figures include the Greek god Ares, the alien Beta Ray Bill, um, the supernatural entity Man-Thing, and the android monster the Bi-Beast. Hmm. Beta Ray Bill becomes Thor in yes. the comics. Yes, he has. He gets Mjolnir, and then it's a weird thing where like he gets Mjolnir, Thor gets it back, and then Odin makes a second one for Beta Ray Bill because that's how cool he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one, I actually, I'll do this other one instead. There's one that it's just going to come up when we talk about stuff. Oh, so, okay. Um, in the Norse mythology and in the Marvel comics, Loki is the father of Hela and Fenris the Wolf. He's, he's Fenrir in um, the actual mythology. You know whose name is also Fenrir? I do. The werewolf that bit Lupin. Oh. Fenrir Greyback. It's a half-inspired name. <laughs> yep. Greyback, I think, because uh, when he's human, he's just got lots of hair on his back. <laughs> nah, it's because his oh. wolf is gray. Yeah, and then... Uh, can expand on that fun fact, Loki's third child is actually Odin's horse that has eight legs. Yes. It's when Loki transformed into a mare and then mated with a horse, and then he gave birth to that one, so. When we were talking in the chat about how a reason why Thor may have averted his <laughs> eyes when Hulk was naked was because maybe Thor hadn't seen a penis quite so big before. Or so small. I was going to say, <laughs> what about that six-legged horse? <laughs> Which is inappropriate, and I would never make that joke on the podcast. Good. Here's an interesting similarity between these two movies. Yes. Both movies are the third in their series. They are. And Thor is the third superhero to have his own movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he is. But I think it's the fourth movie, right? Harry Potter is Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Harry Potter is, because we've got two Fantastic Beasts before Harry Potter 1. 
<laughs> Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Fantastic Beasts, Grimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> Actually, a more serious uh, thing that we had talked about. Uh, I mean, I think being the third thing is, is, is a legitimate thing. What? Being the third... Now, for Thor, it's a one, two, three. For Harry Potter, it's one through eight when it comes to yeah. the movies. But well, we're gonna get a four on Thor. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. when we get to Thor eight, we can see if that tonal shift stuck through the rest <laughs> stuck, of the yeah. movies. But yeah, I guess yeah, we had it's it is meritorious to denote that there was a, a, a an established tone mm-hmm. that was changed. I mean, that that's the point of the, this episode, but there was an established tone that they really could have stuck with and it would have been fine. But whoever decided to pick Taika Waititi had a, was had a vision with had a vision was comfortable with the fact that Taika Waititi was going to be very different than Kenneth Branagh. And whoever decided to pick Alfonso Cuaron knew that it was going to be very different with him at the helm mm-hmm. of Harry Potter three. Uh, but another thing that I want, that I wanted to talk about um, that I thought was interesting was that, um, Two of the songs that are used both as diegetic and also weird incidental music, one in Thor and one in Harry Potter, help to denote that shift and are both mm-hmm. songs about magic. In Harry Potter 3, Harry Potter 1 and 2 have are a little bit lighter, a little bit happier, a little bit brighter, and the chorus that sings at the beginning of Harry Potter 3 has that sort of archaic magic thing in europe but it's the double bubble boil and trouble song but it's sung like the gothic harry potter 3 yeah so yeah yeah yeah. and it it, but it's it's sung in this sort of it's it's an ominous it's yeah song it's not a even in Macbeth, like it's not a good song no uh and in thor 3 as he's being taken to the grandmaster on sakaar they're playing Willy Wonka's Pure Imagination, which is a light, bright, happy song, and certainly would feel out of pre- out of place in Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, it's not Thor: The Willy Wonka World. Nope, no, it is not. So, it's it's such a good use of that song, it's and it's and it's so subtle. Is. It's not even yeah. like you get like I had forgotten it was there until you brought it up. Yeah, right at the very end, you get the like the chorus, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I also think it's I interesting. Right. They're both diegetic. Yeah, it's it's part of the reason that we picked these two and not other movies as well. That the tonal shifts are opposite. Yes. That Harry Potter starts as lighter and brighter, and then gets this dark. I can buy Harry Potter T-shirts from Hot Topic vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that it was probably around that time that they stopped using all of the purple stuff and all their merch. Yeah. It was all green from that point forward. Strange, I feel like Thor 3 is also when you can start buying Thor stuff from Hot Topic. <laughs> Hot Topic has... <laughs> for a has, different reason. It's because we can... It's we're, Hot Topic sells clothes for scene kids now, and not just emo and goth yeah. kids. But no, yeah, that, that Thor 3 shift goes from dark, yeah. capital more G, realistic, gothic, Shakespearean, gritty, yeah. to, yeah, a much more light and bright. Yeah, silly. still a serious story, but in, right. in... Silly things taken seriously. Yeah. You know, any other similarities or differences? Um, I think I'd go for hours on this one. <laughs> Feel free to do another one then. Uh, I think that another interesting thing we had talked about, I guess, even just the color palettes are different. That Harry yes. Potter 1 and 2 have this very yellow, red, gold, and sometimes blue color palette. A lot of, like, the fire is all red, and 
like the the inside of the castle is very warm and inviting. It's it's earthy, but in like a hobbit way. Right, it's right. It's not earthy like dark browns and like like almost like dirty. It's yeah. it's a it's an it's a hobbit hole. And feeling. that means comfort. Yes. Harry Potter one and two feel warm. Harry Potter three feels cold. Yes. It chills you to the bone, which is perfect not for the dementors. Winter. No. <laughs> it's not for most of the movie. Uh, but Harry Potter three feels much colder. It, it has it. It's the it's cool greens and blues. Not a lot of red or yellow. You can barely see the orange and the pumpkins. I think like the only things that aren't green or blue or black or gray are Hermione's pink sweater and occasionally the pumpkins. Other than that, it's all just these cool colors like that filter chill over it you. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a new castle between the yep. two. So that's part of it too. The castle. The castle seems more stark, more. It feels, almost medieval it, as opposed to the the post medieval castle of Harry Potter one and two, it, and that change is reflected with um, I almost said Gandalf Dumbledore too. Yeah, just by having Richard the, Harris the is the a much actor, different. It, it's than he feels Michael less warm. Yeah, he's more detached. Yeah, Thor has the opposite. That, eh, no, I mean not the opposite, not an exact opposite, but their change is the color palette in Thor one and two is much darker i feel like it fits with sort of the older mcu movies a lot more the thor one yes. and two oh, color yeah, palette definitely. fit a lot more with iron man and captain america and the first avengers especially and then the thor ragnarok color palette fits a lot more with guardians and ant-man and the spider-man movies uh, but it's it's as opposed to the first one which is mostly first two which are mostly primary colors and black and white ragnarok is almost entirely like primary and secondary colors in white very little black although you do see they, they sort of gradually they ease you into the color palette change in thor 3 as opposed to harry potter 3 where they're just like bam color change yeah they the initial scenes in asgard which has an established look yeah and then yeah and like obviously in muscle Fine, it's very it's black and red and yellow darkly toned yeah and yeah, it isn't until you get to Sakaar that it starts like, really going off the rails yeah. a little bit, <laughs> which is fits for that planet. I mean, but I feel yeah. like even I mean even when they're in Norway, it's much brighter yeah. than Earth would be in the. I mean, even though Norway is historically much gloomier than the deserts of the American Southwest, <laughs> yeah. Norway looks much brighter than it does. Uh, America does in Thor One. Is it, are they in Arizona? Or New Mexico. I think, I think it's New Mexico. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Because when I think of the color in the first Thor movies, it's just his, like his cape is the first thing I think of. Yeah. His br- bright red cape that he has when he when he has his like armor on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in, in this one, it's almost like it's it's not used for that, that punctuality. Like, look at this cool cape. It's everything is colors like this now (laughs) to where since thor's outfit really doesn't change it's still very dark and like dark browns and gray um makes him stand out in it i think in like the the colorfulness of sakar yeah is that he his muted colors colors that he wears even that yeah the cloak that he wears to cover his face is it's a good disguise that's a great disguise (laughs) um i think that both thor 3 and harry potter 3 change of or they they start to focus more and are more serious about things that the previous two movies weren't Mm -hmm. 
it's different for both movies, but I feel like, um, and I, this could be, I've, I've only seen one other Alfonso Cuaron movie, so I don't know, but it could be sort of his style. But in Harry Potter 3, there's a lot more focus on sort of background characters and background jokes or references. Um, Harry Potter 1 and 2 doesn't have a lot of that, but there, in any given scene, there's always something else going on in the background of that scene, mm-hmm. or even in the foreground of that scene, when Harry walks into the Leaky Cauldron for the first time and walks behind a wizard that's, like, stirring his tea um, with his, like, he, he's hovering his finger above the spoon that's floating below him, stirring his tea, and he's reading A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Which is a cool character point, but something that wouldn't have been as obvious in... Like, that's not something that they would have ever focused on or even put into yeah. the first two Harry Potters. Similarly, I think Thor 3 focuses a lot more on both Norse mythology and the mythology of the Marvel, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe than the first two do. Not that the first two don't have those elements. I mean, Thor 2 yeah. is about an Infinity Stone, and Thor 1 is about, you know... Thor, like that's the introduction to this character, which is both Norse mythology and MCU. But I feel like Thor three dives more into that. You have Hela and Fenris and the entire just concept of Ragnarok, but then you also have uh, the Collector and things on Sakaar mm-hmm. and the fact that Hulk goes off planet to become Smart Hulk and or smarter Hulk. And the Thor versus Hulk fight, which is Has very an iconic to yeah, <laughs> right, right. So I think that that it's interesting how that along it's not just it's not just color palette switches. It's also even just the, what the movies want you to, to pay attention to at, yeah. is different from the first two of each of these series and the third one. It I feel like it really took, and we'll talk about this in our MCU special stuff too, of course. Yeah. Um, it really took up until Guardians for the MCU to realize how much they could lean in on the weirder part of comics and like yeah. the goofier part because Thor 1 and 2 certainly downplay a lot of the Norse mythology if only because I'm sure the marketing people whoever else at Disney or Marvel or whoever were like maybe we we don't know how that well that would do if right. we put that out there right we don't know how well it will play yeah, how if will people like it? I, we should stick with the kind of MCU tone we've set so far, right? And it re, and a lot of movies take little stepping stones. But Guardians is the first like astronomically different feeling that a movie had, which I now which now is like the MCU tone, right? Like it's completely shifted since that. Well, and I think too, it might have something to do with the fact that up to that point, the MCU movies were competing with either dc movies or Mm x-men movies yeah and so you're not you're not you don't have the opportunity to they they even though they were innovative from the jump they were still like well we're we're the marvel cinematic universe we have iron man and we have thor and we have hulk and that's our team and because we're competing against Batman, and Batman's dark, and we're competing about, against Superman, and he's mm-hmm. powerful, and so we've got our four guys. And then they were like, wait a second. We can do this ourselves. We can we can pick it. <laughs> we can choose what's going on. <laughs> DC went all in on Zack Snyder, and so we're on top now. <laughs> Never go all in on Zack Snyder. Never go all in on anyone, which the MCU does not do. Listen, you can go all in on some people. 
You go, you could go all in on Taika Waititi. You go all in on Taika Waititi. <laughs> you go all in on George Lucas. You go all in on. I don't know. That's it. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. Also, I, though, I even struggle to say all in on Peter Jackson because of how poorly received the Hobbit movies were. Yeah, yeah. I love them, but I know well, that they're not good but movies. I feel like I feel like. Part of the reasons you don't go all in on a person is because that person needs a good editor. And I think that the problem with the Hobbit movies was not that Peter Jackson was now being unfiltered. It was that the industry wouldn't let Peter Jackson filter himself the way he wanted to. Yeah. He didn't he didn't want three movies. No. He didn't want three movies and he didn't want to do it. Del Toro was gonna do it and it was gonna be perfect. That and what do we have? Good. Shape of Water, which is an amazing movie. <laughs> And we have some pretty good Hobbit movies. Yes. Uh, 1997, or 1977, <laughs> uh, Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie is such a good Hobbit movie. I still think it's the definitive Hobbit movie. It so. is the definitive Hobbit movie. The only Feel thing free I to think that the, that the live action did better was the Misty Mountain song. Oh, I was going to say, it's the only thing the live probably... action did better was they did live action better, because the, <laughs> the animated one isn't live action. <laughs> no, I think that they... they were, we're totally off track now, but I feel like they did a really good job with no, the, I, I, the, our, the movies that we're talking about today are the tonal <laughs> shift between The Hobbit 1977 and The Hobbit from the 2000s, the 20 teens. Oh my god. Did I put liquor in this Route 66 <laughs> soda? That's the dream. Uh, let's see. Do I have any Do you have anything else while I'm I'm looking to see if I have anything else? You you mentioned the use of the diegetic songs, but I think even just the soundtracks themselves are different. Yeah. Um, For sure. Especially, like, as we're talking about, the tonally between the previous movies of these series. Yeah. Like, the first two Harry Potters makes me think of, like, it's just, the, it's, well, it's it peak, reflects the right, tone. John Williams. It's the, it's the, yeah. It's happy, like. Yeah. Harry yeah. Potter 1 and 2 is Superman John Williams. Harry Potter 3 is Empire Strikes Back John Williams. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> And then for Thor, I can't even think of a song or who did the first two. No, I'm gonna. Like, just, just get a guy from Devo to do yeah, it. Yeah, Mark Mothersbaugh. <laughs> He's perfect, which he is. So it and, works, and, and it, it works well with Taika Waititi's general vibe. Yes, like the 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 electronic feeling and just like yeah, it it fits with the vibe of the directors in both cases for both these movies. Which makes it interesting cause because it's that's the last one scored by John Williams, too. Yes. Yes, it is. So it's yeah. like he shifted it and then he pieced out. Yeah. He helped set the tone and then... Changed it? Let other people... <laughs> yeah. Set the tone, change the tone, and let other people pick it up. Uh, let's see. But at that point, he'd already created the iconic themes, so... Yeah. Like Hedwig's theme, which is the main... The main Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, an interesting thing, I think, about Harry Potter 3 versus Harry Potter 1 and 2 uh, is that the themes, not uh, not only is the music and the color palette darker, I feel like the themes themselves are darker. In Harry Potter mm-hmm. 1 and 2, it's Voldemort is bad and we should stop him. I, I feel like the most like gray area dark theme that you have in those is that maybe you shouldn't always trust your teachers. Yeah, but I don't think that's as. I mean, as a person that's wanting to be a teacher, I still don't think that's that that much of a hot take. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and but in Harry Potter three, there's a there's more about it's 
gray area and subterfuge and and uh, sneakiness and all of that stuff with do I believe Sirius Black? Do I not believe Sirius yeah, Black? Did he betray more, my parents? Did he not betray my parents? It's more emotionally complex. Did he betray my parents by saying that Pettigrew should do it and then Pettigrew betrayed my parents? Like, and so there's there's a darkness there that there's instead a, of instead of facing somebody who's just the just the the epitome of evil, now you're facing people who exist on a spectrum. Yeah, there, there's a turmoil there. Yeah, in the An first inner two, turmoil. Yes, on the first two, there's no question about if you are you doing the right thing Mm -hmm. yeah you're stopping Voldemort yeah you're stopping a huge snake and Tom Riddle yeah that are hurting and killing people but in the third one it's there's that complexity to it of is is this the right thing to do like I'm yeah like like you said inner the turmoil is now not only external but also internal I think that I don't think that Thor 3 it's almost the opposite in those ones. Yeah. In in the first, especially the first Thor, he, there's an inner turmoil there. Right, it's about it's being like worthy or not worthy. Yeah. And in Thor 3, it's a little bit about being worthy or not worthy, but not about being worthy about being yourself, but more about, am I fit to be a leader? And yeah. that's not as much inner turmoil, I don't and think. And it's, it's not as prevalent in Thor 3. It, right. It goes much more in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Obviously, they, they really step into it then. But you have the seeds of it in Ragnarok. Where yeah. You, you can tell that Thor is unsure of himself as a leader. Yeah. But it's really not until the very end of the movie. Right. Know? And he's a pretty good leader throughout the movie when yeah. he's trying to get yeah. Hulk and he's Valkyrie to get the Avengers to, to together. Join him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I don't have any more similarities or differences. Right, and I feel like... For- I feel like in these ones, it was mostly similarities. Yeah, similarities. But in, but in opposite ways. In their, right, like, similarities in their series, but yes. not to each other. To each other, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's ultimately what this was about. So. Although, here's a similarity between the two of them. What's that? Are they both the third movie in there? <laughs> in Harry Potter 3, all of the actors are older than they were in Harry Potter 2. <laughs> and in Thor 3, all of the actors are older than they were in Thor 2. But the difference is, is that they weren't that much older. <laughs> True. There you go. And they certainly didn't appear that much older. No. Because it... Although Chris Hemsworth looked a little bit older when they cut his hair, but I think that's what happens sometimes when, when people get their hair cut. Yeah. Not everybody, but some some people. Some people, it's the opposite. Some people, it is the opposite. You get your hair cut, you look like a baby. <laughs> Especially hair on your face. Yes. I don't look... I look worse with long hair. I don't look as good with long hair. I look better with short hair. I just don't like having long hair. I don't dislike having long hair. I'm not thrilled about it. I just don't like getting my hair cut. I don't like going to the hair cutting store. Yeah. So. They have to talk. They keep talking to you. I hate it when they talk to me. I don't want to talk to them. I want to talk to you guys, our fans. <laughs> Speaking of fans, and before if, we go to if questions, if any fans want to come over and cut our hair, feel please. free. <laughs> no, we uh, we have to thank our patrons from Patreon. Yes. Uh, of whom we have three now. Uh, co-tagonists Nick and Chris, thank you so much for continuing to be our patrons for this delightfully long period of time. And you will always be our first and second patrons. No Absolutely. one can take that away from you. If they could, I'd be really shocked because that seems <laughs> hard, if not impossible, to do. And, of course, our if very they had special... had a time-turner. If they had, yeah, if they had, you know... But they're all broken except for the one that they are able to make again for Cursed Child, which is <laughs> canon, God knows why. 
but thank you also to our special, very special patron on Patreon, Two Films for Curious alum Brenda, host or uh, uh, sponsor of the uh, MCU Rewatch. What's new in the MCU? We gotta have a name for it. We do really need a name for it. How do you do, MCU? <laughs> love it i love it that's the name thank you so much <laughs> two films for curious alum brenda for sponsoring how, how do you do, do mcu, MCU? <laughs> uh which we should have another one out uh in a week or two we may have to take a week off uh because we moving. we're moving uh which as There's you guys know is so easy to do <laughs> in this the time of quarantine and so, it's supposed to rain all week yep. which is great <laughs> yippee that's okay. All of my DVDs are in cardboard boxes. That's not going to be a problem. <laughs> Anyways, do let's let's do questions. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Harry Potter movie? My favorite Harry Potter movie is the one we watched, actually. Yeah, like, and there's no second, or is it close for some um, of them? I think without. I feel like if I have my rose-tinted goggles on, the first one is a close second because of it being the first one. And oh, I, I think it holds up. One. And I think it holds up. I certainly do. I just... I think my nostalgia is a powerful factor in that one. Okay. Okay. So, three is... I like, really like four. I do. All right. Four <laughs> was the first time I remember going to a theater and thinking, did they read this book? <laughs> Well, see, and that's that's why I like it so much. I read the book after the fact. And like every other instance of that, I don't give a fuck. I love the Dark Tower movie. And I think that for that, all they did was read the back of the first Dark Tower book and be like, yeah, no, we've got it. And they're like, you want to read it? No, 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 fuck you. I got it. <laughs> I can make this movie. But for the Harry Potter series, I think everybody, some people have more than one, but everybody's got like one like that where they're like, I want, I want, even as stupid as it is to suggest that they film the movie, there's always at least one where you're like, or film the book. There's always at least one where you're like, oh, I wish they would film the book. And for me, it's Harry Potter. Well, for you, it's Fellowship of the Ring. It's not just fellow. I don't. I like. They just need to add in Tom Bombadil. <laughs> There's a difference between cutting out parts of a book and cutting out a huge three chapter chunk of a book. Oh, Galadriel gave him those swords. No, she fucking did it. <laughs> They're the Barrow Blades. They got them from the Barrow Downs. Tom Bombadil gave him to him after he sang their lives back together. You know what I just realized? Tom Bombadil's magic comes from singing, just like Iluvatar. Yet another reason why Tom Bombadil might be Iluvatar. Or some avatar of him. Yeah. Right. Avatar Iluvatar. <laughs> when the world needed him most, he vanished. <laughs> when Peter Jackson needed him most. Who would you cast? There's my first question. It's not yeah. even related to these movies. Who would you cast as Tom Bombadil? Who would I cast as Tom Bombadil? David Thelweiss. No. <laughs> uh, but. Um, Wouldn't it be funny to get someone like. Because he has to be kind of older. Yeah. Get like. Like Werner Herzog. <laughs> like someone. <laughs> like it wouldn't make any sense for him to be like this happy, skipping, singing man. <laughs> if I could. If I could. If I could make sure that Werner Herzog could smile and sing, I don't know if he can smile. I truly don't know. If if we can if we can get confirmation that he can smile, I am super on board with Werner Herzog. I'm pretty sure I saw him smile in a documentary about volcanoes that, he did, that I watched. So, <laughs> and I know that I mean his character sings in uh, Metalocalypse, but he doesn't do the singing for mm. it um, because his voice is so amazing. <laughs> it's like Tom Bombadil's voice, but different. Amazing. He could sing a tree. 
uh, to life. Yeah, and to death. <laughs> uh, hmm. I like. I think that if they they could have. I mean, it could have been John Reese Davies actually. Oh yeah, that would have worked because he's supposed to be tall too. Um, so they could have done John him. Reese Davies can sing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oddly, I would have been comfortable with Kelsey Grammer. Oh, who can also yeah. sing. He's not like tall, tall, but he's tall, and he's got a a bit of a tummy, which will work for this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think is his his voice can be bright enough to facilitate Tom Bombadil. Uh, so yeah. Also, uh, Harry Potter three is one of, but not my favorite Harry Potter movie. My favorite Harry Potter movie is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and but then also Harry Potter three and one. Oh. Same as mine. Yeah. I feel like I enjoyed 7 Part 2 the last time I watched it, but I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fine with 2. Uh, and I've not seen Grimes of Grindelwald. But other than that, I'm not out here trying to watch the other Harry Potter movies. Unless someone's like, hey, let's watch all these Harry Potter movies. And I'm like, alright. And do it. My first actual question that relates to these movies for you <laughs> is that can you think of a series that, to its detriment, does not have a tonal shift? Yeah. Like, it needs one. Yeah. What? Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and <laughs> Hobbit series. You think Lord of the Rings by themselves needed a tonal shift? No, Lord of the Rings was oh. fine, but Hobbit needed okay. a tonal shift. Hobbit needed to be a fairy tale. Hobbit needed yeah. to be a bedtime story. And Hobbit was just a prequel to Lord of the Rings, which is fine. Uh, but I feel like... It needed it needed to have a more mystical element because the Hobbit the book has a more mystical element. Yeah, Hobbit the book is a children's book, and Lord of the Rings is a, think, a fantasy epic. Do you think it almost would have been better? I think it, I think it would have if they had made Hobbit first. Do you think uh, that would have yes. that would have yeah possibly made the tone of Lord of the Rings more lighthearted when they got to it? Uh, or, because I understand with this, it's the expectation of Lord of the Rings already exists. There are these amazing movies, this trilogy that's yeah. like critically and universally acclaimed. I think it's easier to go darker when your story is darker than to go lighter when your story is lighter. If you start dark and have to go light, people are going to think that you're doing like... I mean, it's like Ewoks and Return of the Jedi or the kids mm. in Beyond Thunderdome. Those are the parts of those movies that people don't like, generally. Um, and so it's harder Ewoks. to go. I mean, I, I love Ewoks, and I think the kids in Beyond Thunderdome are fine. Um, but mm. I think that it's harder for it's harder to shift from dark to light and make it seem reasonable, which is really great why Ragnarok was able to do it. But I think that if you had a light Hobbit and a dark Lord of the Rings, that that would have been easier to stomach. And I have evidence for that. Seventy-seven Hobbit, seventy-eight Lord of the Rings, and then the eighty whatever Return of the oh, King. Yeah. Hobbit to Lord of the Rings works. That Lord of the Rings to Return of the King does not. Not a tonal shift. Yes, that should not have had a tonal <laughs> shift. Exactly. No rubber banding with our silly serious back to silly again. Nope. That's, that that's the, the biggest crime I think of, of tonal <laughs> shift is to change it and then change it back. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it somehow serves the story. Right, which it didn't in this. <laughs> Uh, if you guys have the opportunity, do yourselves a favor and... Uh, watch all three of those movies. Watch all three of those movies for sure. I actually really do like... There are elements of Return of the King that I like for sure. Um, but I think that... I mean, the 1977 Hobbit is phenomenal. And I think the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings is really quite interesting. 
Uh, I love different a different take of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and I love of... seeing the same things from that and this. Yes. Uh, but also, uh, if you don't want to do that, just go to YouTube and search Where There's a Whip, <laughs> There's a Way. And that's from Return of the King. Yeah. This is Mordor we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that there's a series that could have that could have uh, benefited from a tonal shift? I don't know if I have answered my own question. I don't think about it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that um, oddly, I think that another movie that that or a series that that has has done well for having a tonal shift uh, is it's not really a series and it's not really a tonal shift, but the DCEU movies finally deciding that they don't care about what happened in the other ones and they're just going to make movies i think is and not caring about what marvel's doing right i think is probably the best thing that they've done i think that every movie after that decision has been infinitely better than the movies before it i think that uh wonder woman is good uh except for that weird part those weird parts in the middle where like these the bad guys show up and you're like is this a commercial what i don't know what this is and you're like oh no this is part of the movie Ooh. <laughs> The Wonder Woman parts of Wonder Woman are awesome. The other parts of Wonder Woman are dumb. I'm but excited for 84. I'm super excited for 84. Aquaman mm. was just charming. Uh, Shazam even more so. Birds of Prey is a legitimately good movie. Like, I'm so excited for you to watch it on Friday. I think you're going to have a blast. Um, but I think that the DC Universe did... a DC Expanded Universe did a, a, a good thing by not worrying about keeping a tonal similarity. What is this your I, favorite Thor? Yes. Yeah. It's same. also my favorite Thor. Um <clears throat> which as I've been a fan of Thor for a very long time. Since I knew my brother Thor, really. Right. <laughs> since I was maybe five <laughs> years old. Like I read I read some of the early comics i watched when thor had a tv show yeah um and something about the thor movies didn't the first two i liked them and i liked chris hemsworth's obviously a very very good if not perfect thor yeah but i felt like something felt like it was missing yeah i don't know it, it felt and i think that thor ragnarok is maybe it's just less noticeable that it's missing i think that maybe. it's because of the tonal shift but i obviously i like it a lot more but and with, other, with all that... the other heroes I was a fan of before the MCU, once they were in the MCU, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. And Thor, now, after more after Endgame and Infinity War, is becoming a, fa- a favorite of mine. But this is your it's Harry taken Potter. this long. You wanted them to be more book accurate in Thor 1 and 2. And when they decided, you know what? Fuck it. And threw out the book and made it weird. You were like, I love Thor Ragnarok, which is why I love Fantastic Beasts 1. Because they're like... Who the fuck cares what J.K. Rowling says about anything anymore? Let's just make Fantastic Beasts 1. <laughs> Although I think she was integral in the development of the story. Which actually shows in the problematic elements all over that story. Yeah. Anyways. And to go back, I think that Hobbit would probably be my answer for... Movie that just, that needs a tonal shift. A series that needs a tonal shift. And I think that... I do think it's be, it coming after Lord of the Rings that is the issue. The, yeah. The whimsical and like the lighthearted and the fantastical elements of hobbit are mm-hmm. because you only know what bilbo knows yeah you don't know all the crazy shit gandalf's doing when he disappears right and i like that stuff i like it but that needs to be what would have been great and i 
they would have never have done this. Um, but I just got on Blu-ray Journey Quest Season 3.5. And it's supposed to be everything that happens in this show between seasons three and four for characters that they couldn't film the stuff for before. So what they, what I think they should have done was they should have made a light-hearted Hobbit one and two, and then be like, "But this is what was happening in the background," and had a mm-hmm. third movie that was just the Gandalf White Council Barrador shit, and you can make that as it, dark as you want. Yeah, and then just have maybe the end of that meet up with yeah. the end of the second Hobbit. Splice it yeah. in with splice it in with a Hobbit if you want, and then you've got all those nerds that are like, no, I made a supercut that's better, and then they just basically fucking made <laughs> Hobbit 1, 2, and 3. Um, but I think that that would have been really, it would have been like, it would have felt like when the event, or when the X-Men movies go back in time to other yeah. X-Men movies. It would have yeah. felt like that, and I think it would have done fine. I think that that would have been a better option. It, yeah. it was harder for them, after they after we as a as a culture knew all the stuff in Lord of the Rings, yeah, to go back to and pretend that we didn't we couldn't know we didn't know these things yeah. for the Hobbit movies, which right, especially because I mean it makes <clears> sense <throat> in the way that he wrote it that the ring wasn't supposed to be the one ring. The yeah. first time he wrote it, he had to do all a, of these major revisions to just make a it quirky fit. little ring. Yeah, Bilbo's funny <laughs> <Just> ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I have any other questions. I don't. Thank you guys for listening to our episode where we watched Harry po- uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and Star Wars. And Star Wars. <laughs> no, thank you for listening as we watched uh, Thor Ragnarok and Harry Potter 3. If you didn't watch them with us, you ought to. But also, it's impossible to find them anywhere on streaming unless you pay for them. I actually, no, I guess Thor Ragnarok Thor Ragnarok's on, on Disney+. Disney Plus. Yeah. I don't know where to get Harry Potter digitally unless you buy it digitally. Yeah. So, uh, anyways... Uh, thanks for listening. We have a Patreon. We already told you who they are, but you can go find us on Patreon. You can be our fourth patron. Yeah, uh, two films, two curious on Patreon. Two plus two is four. Don't two you want to be the four, fourth one? Four. Exactly. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, they took away the opportunity to do polls on Facebook, which is literally the only fucking thing I ever did on Facebook. So I got to find out Why? more content. I don't know. It's stupid. But you can't do polls anywhere anymore. It's excuse me. It's the worst. Uh, so I gotta find out other things that I'm gonna post on Facebook but once I figure out the content that I'm gonna post I'll start posting there a lot more and you guys can interact (laughs) with us there Uh, but yeah anyways uh, thanks for listening and, uh, and we love you we love you